just even turn it up to 10. Sort of like a bad habit, we gon' do it again. Ready or not, we're gonna tie up some ends. Go tell a 36, try to grab other friends. We're back like we never left. On track like a treble clef. Skip a beat on the seventh rest. Bring feast, we don't pass them over. We got the first fruits, no way to show us. This yoke is easy, this burn's light. Even with a loud mouth, trying to eat at the mic. Even if we down south, the humidity spike. Bales torn in two, so we gon' be alright. It's all grace till the half goes off. Heretics better run till the top blows off. Got them all stood still like a jaw full of Botox. Time to break them down like a jaw on a blow pop. Don't stop, they're in need of it though. Through grace by faith, they could easily grow. New wave, new age, new way to see bro. Now one truth, life, one way to his throne. Wednesday, February 8th, 2023. This is Messiah Matters number 418. I'm surrounded by my own merch. My name is Caleb Hag. <laughs> oh, I've got some great merch. I need to wear it. I, I'm not wearing a hat today, but Caleb sent me two really sweet hats. Embroidered. Yeah. yeah. I'm Rob yeah. Vanoff, by the way. Uh, you know, the, the mouse... Part. The mouse just glides smoother on a Messiah Matters mouse pad. That's all I got to say about that. <laughs> what up, everybody in the uh, chat room? We're grateful that you are here with us. And uh, yeah, let me just check. You know, I just realized that my uh, my audio, my intro music is quite loud. That's okay, though. We'll just let it be for now. Um, we have an interesting show today. I'm happy that everybody's with us for the ride, and I uh, hope that we have a good time. 
Rob, before we get started, well, actually, let's do let's let's get all the let's get all the stuff out of the way that we need to get out of the way. First of all, if you want to be a part of this conversation, shoot us an email, chegg at torresource.com at chegg at torresource.com. You can also send us a voice message. You won't talk to us. You get an answering machine. You can tell us how much you love us, hate us, agree with us, disagree with us. It doesn't really matter. 253-465-3205. It's 253-465-3205. Do not forget to subscribe to this YouTube channel. I know that uh, sounds weird, but it actually does help us, and uh, we sure do appreciate it. And finally, last but well, actually, there's two more things. Two more things, and then we'll just get get to it. MessiahMatters.com. Go find all of the merch that uh, I'm wearing and that is surrounding me right now. You can find it at MessiahMatters.com. You can also listen to past shows. You can watch past shows. You can get show notes. You can do all sorts of things on MessiahMatters.com. Go there and check that out. And don't forget that our show is produced by Torah Resource. Torah Resource is a place where you can get all sorts of fun, free stuff as well as paid stuff. You can get library memberships where you pay less than $10 a month. I think that's right. Less than $10 a month uh, for basically everything digital in our catalog, including things from my father, Tim Hag, and things from Rob Van Hoff himself. Uh, it is well worth the money. I highly encourage it. All right. And as we talk now, we will let our uh, our winter producers scroll uh, along the bottom of our screen. Thank you so much to our producers and everyone who supports this show. All right. Rob, what's going on, man? Yes, sir. How's life? Life is good praise god i'm spring is on the way oh yes which is is wonderful because spring is like probably my favorite time of year if i had to choose i really I can, love the springtime now I can so always... it feels like ah the sun starts coming out we're not in sub freezing temperatures regularly so much anymore I can always tell when uh, spring is on its way because we, we're far enough into the winter that my wife is now daily talking about vacations that we can go where it's nice out. <laughs> so it's like, and I the mean, little we, gardening catalog starts showing up in the mail. You know, I don't know about little, that. Oh, I don't know. About that. You're missing out, man. <laughs> Territorial seed, I think it's called. <laughs> All right, let's jump into it. We have actually. Plenty to talk about from all sorts of different people. And thank you, everyone and anyone who has sent us topics to talk about. I'm sorry if we don't get to your topic. We have had a good amount of uh, great questions sent in to us. And I I did promise. Um, I promised Brandon, which I don't think, I don't know if he's in the chat room right now or not. But I pr promised Brandon that we would talk about his uh his question today. Now, Brandon does send in uh, a good amount of topics that we could talk about. So it's, uh, but he asked about this one specifically. And so I told him we'd talk about it today. This is what he says. He says, when God told Jonah, and then he, he so uh, Brandon gave us several different Bible references here. I'll read some of them. And I'll just reference others so that people can go look them up for themselves. Uh, when God told Jonah in Jonah 3, 2, oh, Brandon is here. Thank you, Brandon, for this question. Arise, go to Nineveh, the great city, and proclaim to it the proclamation which I am going to tell you. End quote from Jonah. Would you then consider that what Jonah told the people of Nineveh that in 3.4, then Jonah began to go through the city one day's walk, and he cried out and said, yet 40 days in Nineveh will be overthrown. End quote from Jonah. Would this be considered a false prophecy as it did not come to pass? The Bible warns against prophet, uh, prophecies that do not come to pass. He then references uh, Deuteronomy 18.22. Should it be implied then that Jonah would have proclaimed that by repentance Nineveh would have uh, been spared? 
spared. That doesn't seem to be the case as Jonah is very displeased when Nineveh is uh, spared. And he references Jonah uh, 4, 1 through 3. How would you reconcile Jonah's account with the passages that warn about prophets who proclaim prophecies that do not come to pass? I'm going to throw this one over. This is a, we're going to lob this you softball up I, for Rob. I wonder Rob. if we need to cut Jonah out of the Bible. <laughs> well, we can, apparently we need to add, we need wait to add minute, Enoch. Cite, well, wait a minute, Yeshua cites Jonah. Mm. Okay, so well, what do we do then? No, it's a, it, this is a translation issue. So the the word in Hebrew, it's in Jonah 3, it says 40 days and Nineveh will be uh, nepechet in pause. So it's nepechet, but it's nepechet, which means flipped or turned. That's what it means. And it actually is the same verbal form used in Exodus 14, where it says Pharaoh had a change of heart. He flipped. So Pharaoh sent Israel out, right? And then and then all of a sudden he has a change of heart and he says, we want to pursue them. So the word flip is probably, the, or, or English word flip is better. And it leaves it, it leaves the uh, interpretation open to, I think, what, what uh, the questioner mentioned is that could it mean that it has to do with repentance? The idea is may, it's possible Jonah didn't know. God gave him the word, 40 days and Nineveh will flip. And Jonah just preached that. And Jonah interpreted it, that it would be destroyed. That's what he thought flipped means. Um, when in fact, it was repentance. So Jonah might have, at the very end, had to reflect back and go, oh, oh, so the prophecy did come true. But there's another, uh, that's how I read it. But there's another aspect too, is that commands to repent is it is um, it's like you could be read it as a warning, right? It's it's just it's a warning that like the you know is it Ezekiel for example the watchman on the wall, God says you know you preach tell people to repent, or that there's going to be destruction and and the job of the prophet is just to or the watchman is to give that message what happens in the hearts of the people is is not under the domain of the prophet himself so anyway just just some thoughts i i was being uh is that facetious i uh, i don't think jonah uh needs to be taken out of the bible i i believe it's the word of god and i i take uh that verb if a translation puts it as destroyed that's that is uh, not really capturing the nuance there. Yeah, I like the so, uh, I like the idea that uh, uh, the flipping would have uh, would have happened no matter if they repented or not. And what I mean by that is if they if they repent, then the Ninevites flip, right? But if they don't if they don't repent, then God flips the city, right? He destroys the city. He flips right, it. Right. So it's it's deliberate ambiguity is what I call it. Now here right. here's another point though. We have to we can ask the question that you know was in the question that we got, or or address the issue of why is Jonah so upset at the end, and 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 I I believe that has to do with the fact that Jonah knows that Assyria is going to come and wipe out the northern kingdoms, the northern kingdom, 
not kingdoms, the northern tribes. In other words, the salvation, in a strange way, the repentance of Nineveh means they weren't destroyed, which means they lived another day, so to speak, and they are going to inevitably come and uh, destroy the northern kingdom of Israel. And uh, because because Jonah lived before that, so Jonah's life of prophecy, there was still a northern kingdom. And Assyria, that from Nineveh, are the ones that actually come and destroy it. So the repentance of Nineveh is part of God's preparation of the weapon of punishment or destruction that he's going to bring on Israel for their sin. So my phone keeps going off because I forgot to silence it, and somebody keeps calling over and over and over again. Is, so it, a, is, it, a, is it someone wanting to get on the show? <laughs> I don't on. know. I don't know. I know it's upstairs, but I'm sure you can hear it. It's up in my actual office. Oh, oh. speaking of which, by the way, I, I know this is a total, a totally off uh, subject, but for all of our producers, there is a new video up in the in the Messiah Matters More um, uh, area. So go check that out. We talked uh, yesterday about a slew of different things. It was going to be like a five minute conversation and turn it into a 22 minute conversation as they normally do. So anyway, thank you so much to our producers. And uh, you can find a special exclusive video in um, uh, in the Messiah Matters More area. Okay, so uh, if you'd like to call and not interrupt the show, but <laughs> <laughs> but leave a message, you can do so. Uh, that's our email address, 253-465-3205, 253-465-3205. You can shoot us an email, cheghetorresource.com as well. I'm sure somebody's calling to place an order, and I apologize if they are watching this show as well. Okay, uh, don't forget to subscribe. Here we go. Let's move on. Thank you, Brandon, by the way, for that uh, for that lovely comment. It's a good question. I thought it was a good question. Okay, uh, I think this is from... Jorge, I think that's the name, and um, uh, we've we've covered this so many different times, but uh, people keep asking, so we'll we'll cover it again. He says uh, this is by the way in a in a response to our video. I clipped a portion of one of our videos about the Sabbath and uh, whether or not and what we're able to do on the Sabbath, like uh, whether or not we should spend money on the Sabbath, for instance. Okay. And Jorge writes in and he says, then why did Paul say we don't need to judge anyone that holds any day holier than other other days? He said, stop passing judgment about this. He says, you're putting stumbling blocks on your brother. Now he actually referenced, Jorge references Romans 4, 5 through 23. He, I'm 99.9% sure that he is actually trying to reference Romans 14. I think he left a one out on accident. And so uh, that's what we're going to be responding to is Romans uh, 14, 5 through 23. Now, uh, the last time that we covered this, which w wasn't long ago, I actually think that we covered this what, within the past two months. So I think last it was week? No, nah, it was it was a couple. It was was it last week? We talked about whether or not we were going to cover this or not uh, last week in our pre-show uh, oh, discussions, okay. but we did not actually cover this. So um, we'll just make this really quick. Uh, my father has done a, a wonderful commentary on the Book of Romans. Uh, it's a two-volume set. You can find it on TorahResource.com. Uh, you can get it in a hard copy or in PDF. 
And uh, he gives different uh, ideas of, of what this could mean. I personally believe that this uh, is a reference to various fast days. Uh, throughout, Paul is not talking about uh, holy days at all. What he's talking about are man-made traditions when it comes to food. He talks about uh, food that is uh, offered to idols in the markets, and this is most likely a blanket, uh, either a blanket offering that is given in the market, or the uh, meat is actually coming from, it's leftover from pagan temples. And uh, so he's discussing the fact that some believers abstain from this kind of meat and others don't, and what to do with uh, believers who are offended by such meat. And then he goes to one day holds one day holier than the other. Uh, I believe that at this time, he's actually still talking about food. Uh, there were multiple fast days each week for uh, for the various Jewish sects. And uh, some of them held some fast days and some of them didn't. And I think that this is exactly what uh, Paul is talking about. Now, people could go to other places as well. So for instance, another place that uh, is commonly referred to by those who believe that the Sabbath has been done, done away with is Colossians 2. I've written on that in my book uh, on my uh, Colossians commentary, which you can find on pronomian.com. Um, however, in terms of the Romans uh, passage, I think it's quite clear that he's not talking about the Sabbath. Uh, he's talking about uh, I still, I think he's still talking about food. Um, and so the notion that one person would say, you're doing something wrong because you're not fasting on this day, but the Bible has never told you, Hey, don't fast on this day. Um, this is what Paul is addressing. He's saying, these are man-made one person holds one day holier than the other. The other doesn't. How do we deal with this? And that's, that's how I take the Romans 14 passage. Rob, do you want to expand on that? Yeah, there's that. There's a uh, aspect of language again, kind of back to our Jonah issue of how do you translate this verb? Is it destroyed? Is it overthrown? Is it just simply turned? I, of course, we talked about that. I think turned is probably the best translation. Um, and the issue in English translations, like for example, I think you were just quoting now off off the fly, but like who who consider a day holy. So that we, what we need to do is we want to be precise as possible. And precisely, there is no word holy here. There is no adjective holy referring to the day. And where it says the word observe, in some English translations in Romans 14, it's not, it's not uh, tereo, it's not the verbs used for keeping, guarding the Sabbath at all. It's, it has to do with a, a mindful recognition of a day. And we also have to recognize that there is a scribal edition that pops in later that becomes part of the majority text that is reflected, for example, in the King James translation, which makes it sound like whoever does not, something. this is my memory of it, I could be a little bit off, but basically I believe the King James says something to who, and to the one who does not observe the day, to the Lord, he does not observe it. The idea is then, now that, I don't take that as original. I take that as a, a, a scribal addition that is trying to make sense of it. And then it's complicated by the fact that English translations take that to, oh, observing a day. So they hotwire that to somewhere in the Bible where there's something about observing a day. Right. And the lowest hanging fruit is the, from the, the Ten Commandments. Yeah. yeah. 
And so this is a uh, the sad kind of false wiring uh, or miswiring, mishypertextualization if, in our minds of passages of scripture that really are not talking about each other, but through through changes of, you know, or scribal insertions and then sad misleading interpretations into other languages create that. It seems like there's a bridge there. There's no bridge there. Um, and we, we absolutely have to remember that Romans 14 at the beginning is speaking to a stable community that I believe affirms the Torah and it's a Sabbath keeping community. Absolutely. Okay. And so when it's saying receive, it's it's trying to help equip them, not only as Paul has just done about what do we do about Jews that have rejected the gospel? Does that mean God's done with Israel kind of thing? And that's what Paul gets in through chapters 9, 10, and 11. In chapter 12 and 13, he reaffirms the centrality of the Torah, of, of right. love of God and love of neighbor, and that all the commandments hang from that, which is just, he's just reiterating Yeshua's instruction. And then chapter 14, he's talking about hospita hospitability. Is that a word? Hospitality. There we community go. To people who are kind of wondering, you know, they say, oh, I, I, I'm interested in Yeshua, um, but they're coming from different strange uh, uh, observant backgrounds. So they have, they have little foibles. They have uh, certain things that they learned elsewhere. They have clusters of commitment based on thoughts that have not been fully brought into submission to Messiah. So someone comes, okay, I'm going to come, let's say he's just a Jewish person who hears about the Roman believers and he wants to join with them on Shabbat. But he comes from a super stringent, let's say, super ultra Pharisaic background. But he's like, he's like, you know, I want to, I, I want to learn more about Yeshua. And then he comes to their own egg, and he's like, you know, just spouting all sorts of judgments about how they're doing everything wrong, right? I mean, in the right. worst case scenario, it'd be like where Yeshua talks about the Pharisees. Oh, you know, your people come to be part of your meal. And you're judging them because they're not washing their hands properly. Right. According to your little local special practice by which you think you're more special than everybody else. It's this, it's this same kind of issue. And I agree with your comments, Caleb, and as your dad's written this, the best explanation in my view with regard to food and day has to do with very, um, uh, what well, it's an accumulated list of days where it was forbidden either to either mandated fasting or forbidden to eulogize or forbidden to fast. And we have this, it's the scroll of fasting that uh, memorializes days like Mac, uh, days where the Maccabees had a significant victory, for example, right, right. or certain kinds of things where it's a day that it's not biblically mandated to celebrate so that you're not going to call it holy, but they're saying this is a special day where we don't fast. Why? Because we're celebrating something. Now we don't need the scroll of fasting because that's not, that's not scripture. It, it's something that's preserved in later rabbinic texts that seems to be an early Pharisaic style calendar of special fast days. 
But we do have from the Gospels, there are days where you see disciples, Pharisees, and even disciples of John the Baptist come, and they're seeing Yeshua, and Yeshua's disciples are not fasting. And they're like, wait a minute, these guys are all fasting, and you're not fasting. What's going on? And there's like, they're taking them to task almost. Not because of biblical commandments, but because of recent, innovative, memorialized events that are through the act of either celebrating, that is avoiding fasting, or fasting out of a sense of mourning, that are of the elders. And so, to me, that is the super, super, you know, hard to, hard to knock down that interpretation. But sadly, you know, we just, in, in the larger church, you know, we don't have this kind of um, fuller sense of history. And so there is a, um, a ten, we separate Matthew 15, you know, and the, and the hand-washing, we separate that from like this issue of, of the, the disciples who are concerned about whether or not, or why issue is not fasting. And um, the, the, the Pharisee who noticed that Yeshua didn't immerse before the meal, right? Like we need to let all those things come together and let us see the picture that's there clearly for us in the gospels of Jews judging other Jews and later Gentiles for not, uh, for not living according to some sort of specialized group of rules or, you know, what we call Maaseh HaTorah, that Paul calls works of the law in shorthand. So the idea here, and, and this gets let where it says, let everyone be convinced, let each be convinced in his own mind. I think that's not the best translation because the idea is ongoing. Paul says, you're not going to, the Shabbat, when they come, they come to your fellowship, even if it's not a Shabbat, if you're having a, if there's a fellowship meeting, that is not the location for you to get into these kind of disputes. And so what Paul says, he wants to hold a space where he's like, look, we're not going to just, just because someone comes and they're upset because let's say they believe it's a fast day and nobody in the community is fasting. Right. There should be a measure of tolerance for this person to say, look, okay, look, we're not going to agree on this right now. So you're welcome to stay here. We're not just going to say, get out of here on account of that. Or if the, if the opposite is true, if the community as a whole is fasting and someone comes in and they're they're wanting to eat, it's the same thing. Paul says there's so you've got your your local community, the recipients of the epistle to the Romans, and he's equipping them for dealing with the different kinds of people that are going to come and go. And the the guard from the beginning of Romans 14 is don't let these things escalate into real like hostile arguments. Right. You know, you've got to guard against that. That's not the place for this. And so when he says, let each become fully convinced, that is in the, what we call in the imperfective in Greek, it's in the continual aspect. The idea is you, it's not going to be resolved right now. You've got to trust that those who love Yeshua, who hear his voice are going to have this worked out inevitably. They're going to, you've got to give them each person a chance to work out their convictions according to the guidance of the Ruach HaKodesh. And not everybody does that. You know, some people, they short circuit and they just cling to a teacher, right? And they don't, they don't, haven't actually, they're not actually building their own house on rock, you know? Um, 
and and that means you're by default building on sand, right? right. You're, you're, you, we're all called to build our house on rock. That means we need to have, we need to prioritize the kingdom all the time, so that our right. whole life is that we have we are quick to have a, a an answer for the hope that's within us. So, anyway, that I'm kind of all over the place there with that. But there's a lot to Romans 14 that sadly. It's, it's not what we would call a text that has a normative meaning in the Christian church. When I mean that, it means that because you different groups, we're going to have way different ways of, of interpreting it. And our view from Torah Resource is that it whatever Romans 14 means, the normative reading will be in full coherence with the Torah, with the Torah of the Messiah, which is an affirmation of the centrality of the greatest commandment and all the mitzvot that depend upon it, and that that is not something that's done away, but is something that is fulfilled in Yeshua of Nazareth fully. He's the full expression of the love of God and the love of neighbor and all the mitzvot, and that he gives us his spirit, and that's that becomes our, our marching order, is that of, of obedient children of God. So uh, there's, okay, there's a lot, a lot of things that we can say here. And actually, we'll just go to another comment. There's several comments that, uh, that could piggyback uh, Rob's, you know, what Rob has just said. And uh, we'll go to that in just one second, because there is one. Okay, yeah, there's one that I want to uh, address specifically. Um, so real quick, before we move on. I just want to say, I rarely ban people from our chat room on YouTube. However, when people come in and decide that they're not going to talk about anything that we're actually talking about, they are just going to have their own conversation with themselves and do it in all caps. Uh, I, I warn people, and then if they continue to do it, I will block them. And so I... Someone has been blocked in the chat room, and that's why I decided to bring that up, is because I don't want people to think that I just haphazardly go around blocking people, um, but warned once, and that's it. Okay. So Paul writes in, and, and Rob, you can keep going with your, um, yeah. with, your, with your thought pattern on this one. So Paul writes in, you haven't heard this, by the way, this is all new to Rob. So this is on our, our conversation about, or uh, yeah, your conversation about those who cherry pick teachers that cherry pick and uh, people who are not rightly uh, exegeting the word of God. Uh, teachers, that is, that are not rightly exegeting the word of God. Paul writes and he says, so if you fully don't know and you are still struggling with the word, how do you know you are not listening to cherry pickers or sects? As others have said, I listened to One for Israel and 119 Ministries, Corner Fringe, et cetera, et cetera, and all seem very passionate about their teachings, as you do also. How can one determine cherry pickers from humble and earnest shepherds slash teachers? Wow, great question. Go. So I would say remove passion out of it. Because yeah. you're going to get passionate. You can get passionate atheists. Right. right. You can get passionate Muslims, passionate Buddhists. So I, that's that's a big error to, to let emotion or that Drive. excitement uh, be. Uh, okay, hang on just a second. Kind what of you puffed say? up to its wrong to to where it doesn't belong in terms okay, of let, our hermeneutic. 
Let's expand on that for just a second. One okay. of the things that we see within the um, the prosperity gospel movement is a playing on just that, right? If you go to a Benny Hinn revival, uh, what what do they do? And actually, uh, Benny Hinn's nephew has written a, a pretty darn good book on uh, this whole experiential uh, service that they put on. Everything is um, everything is is tailored to build up the emotions. The music is built up the way that the the message is dialed given. in. It's it is very they've, dialed they've got in. Got a dialed in marketing strategy. It sounds cruel or or cold maybe to say that, but what? But but why why do they have it dialed in like that? Because they know that people who become uh, wrapped up in feelings and passion and have that sense of of feeling God, right? All the emotions well up so much that it's it's a euphoric and it's a divine meeting with God, right? And because of that, what are people then willing to do? Open their pocketbooks. You feel that you get into you know this state of mind where you're you're experiencing God at a very high level, quote unquote. I'm not I'm not saying that that's what uh, is actually happening, but that's what people believe, and then they are much more apt to open their pocketbook and, and give freely, and so feelings can certainly lead people down the wrong path. So I agree. I think that we have to take passion out of it. We have to take feeling out of it. Um, now, obviously, the Lord does give us feelings, so we can't take feelings out completely, right? The, the Lord gives us feelings to be able to sometimes, and I know people who are very, very good at this, discerning um, whether or not a person's intentions, and it's not all across the board, of course, but there are people who say, I, I get a strange feeling about that person. Um, okay. But the point simply is, is that the Word of God has to direct us. The Word of God has to lead us in our endeavor to follow or not follow a specific teaching or teacher, right? We have to uh, listen and understand according to the Word, the sola scriptura, right? The Word of God is what we, we put things up to. Okay, keep going, Rob. I would say this. I would say if if I'm in a situation where I'm, and I'm, I'll talk, I mean, I've, my own firsthand experience of this. Sure. And this is what drove me to learn the Bible languages. What was in the nineties, you know, in the late in mid, mid to late nineties. So we're talking like 1995 to 1999, right. Or 94 to 99, right in there. There were, I was experiencing, I'll, I'll tell you all the stuff I was consuming. I was consuming Seventh-day Adventist, uh, material. Why? Because they had, now this is, this is before we never had cable and this is before like internet and stuff like that. Um, well, they had, they had like, you'd have a modem and things like that, but nothing like we have now, no Google, no Facebook, right? None of this. Um, no cell phones, but they had a UHF channel that was like 24 seven, seventh day Adventist stuff. And so I was listening to that Doug Batchelor guy talk about the Sabbath and stuff like that. And I was like, wow, like he's got some good arguments at the Sabbath. So I was listening to that. I was, uh, and then that transitioned as I was like listening, I met some people who were quote, they, you know, considered themselves Messianic Jews in the Spokane area. 
and even the guy who was quote a rabbi, right? All this stuff. Um, and, and started hearing different kinds of things being taught. And then I started being exposed to people who had different books in their library from like, um, Eddie Chumney to, uh, Avi Ben Mordecai to then as the later nineties, Michael Rood started coming around with the prophecy right. club. Oh, that was the other thing, the prophecy club. That was another thing in the nineties, you know, they would, they actually had, the, and so they would bring different guys in who would teach different things. Um, oh, and at the same time, Chuck Missler. So I don't know if people know Chuck Missler, but he was really local here, you know, just over in, in Idaho. So I had gone over to see him, bought some of his tapes and stuff like that. So I was consuming this huge wide slough of stuff and I was exposed to enough and it was all exciting. Right back to the emotional element. It was all exciting. Right. But at some level, all of a sudden it, it was like there was, if you just looked at all the stuff I was consuming as a giant different texts, my brain's like, wait a minute. Does not compute like this. What this guy was saying really strongly doesn't fit with what this guy was. Saying. So I was in a, I was in a predicament of, I don't know who to listen to. I don't know who I don't, I they, they can't all be telling the truth. And, and of course, Chuck Missler was pushing this uh, Y2K thing that all the computers were going to crash. Right. And Michael Rood was at the same time, 98, 99, Caleb, you know about this, was preaching nine, that Yeshua, yep. Yeshua was going to come back at Day of Atonement or Feast of Tabernacles in 1999 in the fall. 9999. Like, not okay. September so, 9th, 90, uh, 1999. I know it very you were, well. You were in Jerusalem. At the time, I, was, I, I was sitting with Michael Rood in a youth hostel on 9999. Keep going. Okay, so so uh, you, could, you could share about that again. I know you have in the past. So here's the point. The point is, for me, it, it, it pressed me to see, it's like the Lord used that to say, look, you know, you're just pursuing, you know, you're just, you're trying to get, it's you're in the wrong gear. Basically it was like, this it was like, look, you're in a stick shift. You're in second gear and you're trying right. to go 60 miles an hour on the freeway. And your engine is at like 4,000 RPMs. I said, you're, this is, it's not wise because I was getting, I was feeling anxious and wanting to like solve this problem. And when the answer was no, you need root in yourself. And this is the difference between when Yeshua was talking about the seed, right? The seed that falls on the ground and it quickly sprouts out of, out of excitement, out of joy. It sounds good, but then the sun comes up and it shrivels up and blows away. So what, what Yeshua is instructing us is that, look, we have to be like the seed in the good soil. That is it. It, it goes down and it's, and it's well-rooted. Yeah. So that so means I had to work on myself. I had to, I had to own that. I was, what do they call that? I was, uh, when a company has some they uh subcontract or or uh when they have work done for them from another like cheap labor i don't remember what you call that but i it's like i was doing that i was letting i was being lazy this is the, the truth of the scenario in all that anxiety was my own late my own laziness with respect to the the holy word of god Right. And, and, and so, what I was doing, I was in, de, I was in denial of my own laziness, 
thinking I could consume what other these other people were doing, and I was going to come to some sort of knowledge that would be enduring, <laughs> that would be that I could build a house on. It's never going to happen. So if if you're in a situation, so just okay, that's just a bit about me. This question, I'm watching five different YouTube channels that are saying five different things. Who do I believe? I would say turn them all off. Turn them all off, and you go spend time in the Word of God, in prayer, and start doing the hard stuff that you, you've been avoiding. Okay, which so means learning the languages is a big, a big one. It's not the only one, but it's a big one. It doesn't mean you have to learn them perfectly, but you need some competency and wisdom and skill so that you have a filtration device. Because the problem is you have all these people without filter. They, they don't know how to, in the biblical sense, it's they're not evaluating whether the food is actually kosher or not. They're just right. eating whatever it is. They have no internal uh, wisdom that's grounded in Scripture, grounded in their walk with God, to be able to say, no, that's not for me. And yes, this is for me. So, uh, okay, I, 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 I think that what you're hitting on is exactly where I was going to go. And, and that is this. Uh, as believers, we are called. We are called to do hard work. It's not easy work, it's hard work. And I think that people, oftentimes, believers think that that hard work is going out and having hard conversations with people. And that certainly might be part of it. But I think the hard work that has to be done is equipping yourself. You, you know, to say, I'm just going to blindly follow people because they sound good on the internet is the wrong uh, approach for any believer. And Rob's right. At some point, you have to sit back. You have to get some education. Now, I'm not saying you have to go to a seminary. I'm not saying that you have to go. But what I'm saying is you have to sit down. You have to. And and I'll give you some steps. Like, you know, it's it's not just turn. And I think Rob's right. Don't don't get me wrong. Yes. Turn off the YouTube channels, including ours, for a little bit. Yeah. Sit back and and start to and start to really study in in some uh, in some specific ways. Now, here's here's what I think people should do. If you feel like you're in that, you're in that position, you have all these voices going on. You have a couple of favorite blogs. You have a couple of favorite YouTube channels and you're listening to these things. You think these guys are great. This person's great. This person's great. But they all seem to be, you know, they're all kind of going like this towards each other. Here's what I would recommend a person do. First of all, stop just like, Rob said, and sit down and think about the deal breakers. What is the foundation of your faith? Do you believe in a 66 book canon? Do you believe in the deity of Christ? Do you believe in the Trinity? Do you, you know, these are things that we have to wrestle with and, and building the foundation first is extremely important. So that when you see things like, Hey, 119 ministries will not affirm the Trinity. That's a problem. That is a problem. Cause Um, they're going to alienate their, their, they're going to alienate their customers. Well, it's because they they have not they haven't built the, the foundation themselves. So their teaching therefore will hurt because of it. Because they're they're teaching from a place that does not have that foundation. And so we have to understand the foundational issues of our faith first. 
And this is one of the things that, that Rob and I have tried to do in our, in our intros, right? We talk about sola scriptura, the five solas, salvation by faith alone, that we believe that the, that the Torah, God's law, and his covenants still apply for all believers, Jew, Jew and Gentile alike. Um, you know, and then, you know, I see in the, in the chat room, uh, love is bigger says sacred na uh, namers is a real issue. Now these are peripheral, peripheral issues. And what I mean by that is, yes, I think that they are a, 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 a problem. You know, if a person is making something that shouldn't be a foundational issue, their foundational issue, this is another time that we need to step away. So love is bigger is right. If somebody is saying, well, you have to pronounce the name like this, what they're doing is they're taking something that is not a foundational issue and they are now building it into their foundation. And that is another red flag. Get out. Don't listen to this person. Why? Because they are, they are focused on uh, non-foundational uh, non issues as foundational issues. You know, I have to ask myself this, and I ask this on, on uh, I mean, probably more than people would, I think people would be surprised how often I, I ask this. I am constantly re-evaluating, is this an issue worth leaving a community for? And I do that because I have a lot of people emailing and calling and saying, hey, this is going on in our community. How do we deal with this? So I'm constantly reevaluating, are these, are these issues that people should break community over? So we have to have those, those foundational issues. That's the very first thing. If you don't know what those foundational issues are for you, what sets your foundation? What are you building on? If you don't have that already, then you definitely need to uh, sit back and realize what those foundational issues are. And honestly, uh, we can find those foundational issues even through, not only from the scriptures, obviously from the scriptures is the very first place that we should go, but we can see the foundational issues being discussed throughout church history. And what have believers struggled with over the years? You know, obviously canonical issues, the deity of Christ, um, salvation by faith alone, which is one that is still going on, right? The Catholic Church versus the Reformation, so on and so forth. So uh, all of this to say, get your foundational issues in order first and foremost. And I think that honestly, if, if you get your foundational issues uh, set so that you know where you stand and why you stand on those foundational issues, then all of a sudden you can bring some of those, those teachings back in. If somebody agrees in all of those foundational issues, now we can start to build on top of that. I'm not going to accept this YouTube channel or this ministry because they go against one of my foundational issues. They're trying to expand the canon. Or I'm not going to listen to this uh, teacher because uh, he denies the Trinity, and, and I, that's a foundational issue for me. Okay, so... Now, all of a sudden, we can say, yeah, I'm going to take this teacher and this teacher and listen to them because they agree on the foundational issues. But then you might get some really wackadoo stuff. And this is where you're still going to have to divide the, the word of God. So let's go back to our brother's, our brother's question. And it is a very good question. Paul says, and we're going to read it again. So if you fully don't know and are still struggling with the word, I think that we're all going to struggle with different parts of the word throughout our, our journey. I still get questions all the time where I say, boy, I don't know about that. I'm going to have to go and sit down and study it. I'm going to have to look at various commentaries, commentators that I might trust, but are going to disagree with other commentators that I trust. I'm going to have to gather all this information and I'm going to have to put it together to see, to, to rightly investigate the issue. That's what we're called to do as believers. So I, I don't think that uh, you're going to have a time where you're going to say, oh, I'm not, you know, I, I got it all figured out. I got the Bible all figured out. 
But I think that at some point you have to say, I'm not listening to these people because, you know, I might listen to their argument, but I'm not going to take what they say as just hands down truth because they obviously have not put their ducks in a row. Anything else on that, Rob? What what we want to, if, if you love Yeshua, what you want to do is saying, is ask yourself, am I hearing Yeshua's voice, right? He says, my sheep hear my voice and they follow me, right? So am I hearing Yeshua's voice? That's what it comes down to. And, and so therefore that's the same as taking every thought captive to Messiah. That's like, but if I get drawn into like the itchy ear kind of thing or tickly ear, then now I'm driven. I'm being, my motive is not to discern Yeshua's voice. My motive is to itch a scratch or scratch an itch or whatever, <laughs> you know, and it's, 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 it's a different, uh, proposition altogether. But if you're, if you're one who's your core base is look, I, I love Yeshua and I want to walk with him all the time. I want all my thoughts, all my speech, all my behavior to increasingly reflect his lordship in, in my life and the, in the centrality of the word of God as holy over against everything else in the world, in the words of, of humans. Uh, you know, we learn to prioritize the things of the kingdom more and more. The walk with God is not where we have all knowledge. It's just never going to be the case. The walk with God is where we, we have faith and we have a, we're sober minded with reflect to, with re, respect to what we know what he's what he's given us to be stewards over, resource wise, um, skill wise, and and then also to be humble to know that there's a vast, infinitely vast amount of things we don't understand, but that doesn't diminish our walk with the Lord or our joy, with our with in abiding in His love, but we want to be have that sober mindedness so that like James says, you know, if a man lacks wisdom, let him ask God, right? The one who gives abundantly, but let him ask in faith. The idea is we're, we're, there's always going to be something as we grow where we don't have wisdom, where we right. don't, where, where we have to pause and say, you know what? I don't know that. There's too many teachers that operate as if they know stuff that they do not know. And they sell this persona that gives the impression of the consumer or the watcher or the listener that, oh, this person's speaking from authority. And and it's it, people are then sometimes want to believe that and try and give that their attention and follow it. And that's that's a person who's leading people right off a cliff. Yeah. So so back to the idea of of the the core doctrinal issues that Caleb was talking about, I see that as what Yeshua is talking about, like be rooted in good soil. Right. The idea is like, you know, is, is Yeshua is, is, is your soteriology Yeshua centered? Right. Meaning, is there another way to please God yeah. apart from Yeshua? That's oh, an important good. question. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, so, or is, uh, yeah, if, knowing... if the word of God, if 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 it says in Hebrews that the word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword, dividing asunder even the 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 soul from the spirit, 
And I want to say the book of Enoch belongs in the Holy Bible, right? Now, all of a sudden, what I'm saying is that the words that are in the book of Enoch are the work of the Holy Spirit, just as the same as they are the rest of the scripture. And that's, and now you're getting into more and more. It's like, it's, these are just important questions that each person needs to take. And this, this kind of takes us back to the Romans 14, where, where it's translated, let everyone be convinced in his own mind. What this means is there is, there is time. God is long suffering, right? He says in Exodus 34, he's gracious, compassionate, long suffering, abounding right. in, in right and and grace and truth what we need to remember is that we don't have an eternal the clock doesn't go forever right the, the, the clock we don't have eternity in this life to dabble in all these different kinds of ideas so the point is if you are confused and and the kingdom of god is important to you you better you darn better make that the number one top priority in your life. Right. And, and, and not just, it's not just uh, an occasional thing you open up and, and dabble in. Because so, if you're uh, just dabbling, if you're dabbling in the Bible, you're not even serious. So uh, I, I, we got to stop for a second because, you know, I, I certainly don't want to uh, come across as tooting my own horn here. Because that's not what I'm trying to do. But but somebody Actually, said you, that you, you, it's your own cello. You're, you're uh, fair, bowing fair. your own cello. <laughs> so, so somebody said this to me the other day because I was I was lamenting over my Hebrew syntax, and I said, you know, I'm just I'm dying here with the Hebrew syntax. It's hard, and it's taking just so much time. And you know, I'm I'm waking up at four o'clock in the morning so I can study Hebrew for two hours, and then you know, so on and so forth. And he said, well, um, he said, yeah, but uh, are you going to be able to get a good job? When, you know, when you're done. And I said, uh, probably not. And he looked at me sideways and he goes, well, then why are you going to school? Like, why are you spending a lot of money and going to school? And my response was because I want to be able to study the Bible. It really has nothing, you know, I'm not going to get a different, I don't think I'm getting a better job. I'm very happy with where the Lord has placed me in my work. And I, I simply say, I'm not expecting that everyone go to seminary or anything like that. What I'm saying is, is that I think that as believers, one of the things that we do is we constantly look for more knowledge, right? We're constantly looking at how we can know the Bible more. Now, I've taken one path in that, and that is to go to seminary and, and to uh, try to, to learn on in a different way than I have before. Now, I certainly don't... I, that is a very extreme... Uh, path that many people will not take. My 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 point simply is this: is that we don't learn the Bible. We don't we don't try to um, go through these things in in order that we can get a job or so that we can you know win an argument or whatever it may be. We do them because we want to study the Word of God. We we want to be able to rightly divide the Word of God, and so. I think that uh, it does take it does take every believer has to take steps in that, and that could be simply just trying to read a book a month or trying to uh, get a list of commentators that you uh, that you agree with on many issues. Understanding where the commentators that you agree with you don't agree with them. These kind of studies are going to really help you so that when you come to a text, you can sit down and say, "Okay, well, I really like this." 
commentator, but I also know that I disagree with this commentator on X, Y, and Z. And therefore, when I'm looking at this passage, I need to keep that in the back of my mind. So it's these kind of, these kind of studies and these kind of, uh, uh, you know, research are things that every believer has to do to some degree. If, if what you're doing is you're just looking on the internet and taking what you think sounds great, then you're going to get into all sorts of really, really weird doctrine that is not really found in the Bible. And I think that that actually comes, it shines through when, when we see some of the podcasts that are out there about, you know, aliens in the Bible and what is, you know, what's going on with the extraterrestrial. And I'm not, that is not a, a, a commentary on whether or not there is extraterrestrial, but when people are focused solely on other worlds that the Bible isn't talking about, something has gone horribly awry. People are, are reading too much internet theology instead of reading their Bible. And I think that that's, that's ultimately the, uh, the point. Okay. Our, our main topic was going to be evangelism today, which is why this is, uh, titled evangelism. And that comes from a comment. We'll touch on this for five minutes. Johnny says when you guys, and I'll change the name of our, of our show, by the way, how tall is Bigfoot? Exactly. The chat room nails it again. Uh, Johnny a says this, when you guys talk, to unbelievers, do you guys bring up Torah observance at the same time when speaking about salvation? Um, I, so, I don't. <coughs> no, I mean, I, it would depend. It would depend on circumstance. But for me, the idea is affirming just the very, because we don't want to presume someone even knows what the word Torah is. You know, you know what I mean? Right. It's like the idea is God is real, right? He created this world. Our life is a miracle, and we all have to give an account before him, right? And 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 for those who who love him, he guides their life as they learn to seek him. You know, I mean, it's real for me. That's the that's you know, you're talking about your relationship with God, um, and and you talk about Yeshua as um as he is he's the, that no one's perfect right we've we've all made mistakes and we all have regrets and 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 have uh things that we could be ashamed of you know in our life and but we contrast that with yeshua who is who is our mighty awesome you know majestic perfect loving savior you know and so um I'm, anyway, I'm going to go. What, what I'm going to go. Think, I'm going to go just a little bit different way on this, and the and the reason why is because when I when I really think about this question, and it is a good question. Thank you, Johnny, for the question. Um, when I really think about this, this doesn't reflect my actual conversations. Maybe it should, and maybe that's maybe that's where I'm deficient in my own attempt to share my faith. But I'm not going around being like. Hey, do you know Jesus? Let me tell you about the Bible. That's not that's not how my everyday walk goes. When I think about even in the past three months, the places where I feel like I have been able to talk about my faith, it's in context of people that I already know who are and are not believers. So people, a group of people who are believers, and some of them are believers, and then some of them are not believers. And maybe we're 
you know, there's multiple different places where this might happen. And um, so when I'm talking about my faith in those, in those scenarios, it's usually because I'm talking with other believers about my faith and about what, what we believe and how we believe it. And then the non-believers in that group may have a question or two about my faith. So, so is that kind of like churched <clears throat> and unchurched? Yeah, you know, and in a I way, think like if, church, meaning they have some sort of, like, you know what I mean? They they've heard some Sunday school stories or something. They've got some sort of. It's not a brand new idea. I you know I don't want to. I'm not gonna. Uh, my hope is that at some point, some of the people that I am currently thinking of will actually listen to this show. So I don't want to. I don't want to uh, tell any stories that are too personal, but. You know, uh, the, there's a situation right now where a group of, of uh, my my brothers and sisters in the Lord are hanging out with uh, several people who are not believers in the Lord, and uh, we've never openly tried to say, "Hey, you should you know you should love Jesus," kind of a thing. But as the chat room has said, our our, our actions and the way that we talk have singled us out. And what I mean by that is the non-believers have a different vocabulary than we have. Uh, there are a lot of four-letter words that this group of friends are using, whereas this entire group of friends is not using those words. And so that right there has singled us out. And there have been people from this side of the, of the group of friends that have asked us, so you guys all believe in Jesus? You guys are all Christians? And that has opened up conversation of what they have believed you know, where their spiritual life has been and where it is now, why they don't believe certain things that they used to. And it is a very slow process. And all of the believers have now gotten into a text group and we are constant. And now we're saying, let's pray for this person. How can we, you know, how can we pray together for these people? How can we evangelize together? And so it's not, it's not a in your face, Hey, love Jesus this is, you know, this is what you should do. Instead, it's more of a very slow, there's a comment here, there's a comment here. And then somebody will, you know, then a question will be asked and that somebody will be able to talk about that specific question. And we're just praying and hoping that the Lord will continue to open those conversations and open those doors so that we can share our faith more and more. And so, uh, to the to, now, if if I think of that in the specific specific context of, of Johnny's question, do I talk about Torah observance? Well, Torah observance has been a, a topic for my my believing friends and me because I keep the Sabbath, and my believing friends in this particular situation do not. And so uh, we've talked about S Sabbath observance or about the festivals. You know, I didn't show up during the the fall festivals. Uh, you know, to different functions and stuff like this. And, and people wanted to know why. And so oh, there to has... The local, to, yeah, because you were observing them. Right, yeah. exactly. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, so, gotcha, gotcha. And so, and so people yeah. wanted to know why. I'm able to talk about, you know, covenant. I'm, I, we've talked about covenant. We've talked about things like that. So I would say that yes, but it's not me actively trying to evangelize someone. It's me talking with other believers and having other people hear and be a part of those conversations who are not believers. But really the focus is more about, you know, what we're learning in church, the books that we're going through, what the pastor has taught, you know, what I'm learning in school. These kind of things are, are kind of the focus of, of, of conversation. I don't think that there's anything wrong with bringing up uh, Torah observance, but I think it should be done when evangelizing, but I think it should be done in the context of 
a covenant relationship. We have a covenant relationship with our Lord. And uh, it is, it's like a marriage contract. We, we are so blessed to be in it and we're happy to be in it. So, all right, that's going to do it for us today. I hope that uh, this conversation has blessed you in some way, shape, or form. I'm going to give you ways that you can get a hold of us in case you want to do that. You can shoot us an email, chegg at torresource.com. It's C-H-E-G-G at torresource.com. You can also give us a call, 253-465-3205. That is a message machine. It is not actually us talking to you. It's a message machine, and uh, you can tell us how much you love us or hate us. Buy our merch. You you know you want to buy our merch, messiahmatters.com. Calm. All right. Um, we will be back next week. Will we be back next week? I think we will be back next week. And uh, we'll talk about something. Shoot us emails and we'll talk, possibly talk about what you want us to. All right. <laughs> we hope that this conversation has done at least one thing. That is to glorify our great God and Savior, Yeshua the Messiah. Why? You know why. Because Messiah matters. Why?